It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Well, the Kennewick City Council expected to decide soon on how to fill the seat left vacant by Steve Young's passing. There is a way they could really mess this up. And is this what the civil rights movement really fought for? And Ben County Commissioners heard a report on public safety tax today. Here's what was revealed. But first, give us your bottom line. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Welcome into the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA, Tuesday afternoon. Rob Francis at Dawson, 547-1610 if you want to get involved. The email as well, 610KONA.com. And always on Twitter, at Bottom Line 610. Joining us on the line from the Washington Policy Center, the Executive VP for Research, Paul Guppy, joining us. Good afternoon, Paul. How are you? Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's good to have you back. So uh, the, the day that we have been ruining uh, has come upon us, and that is the day where the governor put his signature to the budget, uh, with the exception of a few things that he decided to line item veto. None of the things that he was asked to line item veto necessarily did he do. Uh, and it, it was also awfully interesting to notice that uh, one of the things, and, and this, I, I think this is the first thing I, I'd like to talk to you about, Paul, uh, he was specifically asked bipartisanly to veto some of these title-only uh, dead-of-night bills that resulted in a significant amount of tax increases on the general public, things that the governor lined and vetoed in the past, saying that he did not necessarily care for the way they went about uh, approving just two years ago in the last budget. But this time around, no such concern for transparency by the governor. That's right. Uh, he actually picks and chooses his reasons depending on what he wants in the bill. So you're right. These were so-called title-only bills, which are introduced in the legislature as a device. They're literally blank pieces of paper with no text. And then in the, in the final 48 hours of the session over the weekend, the legislature, you know, put the majority puts in the text. This could be dozens and dozens of pages in a bill, new taxes. And then they have final vote, and then it goes to the governor. And the governor so far has signed every one of those, uh, we think primarily because they include tax increases, and he wants the tax increases. So suddenly he's not so concerned about the lack of transparency, the fact that our elected representatives do not have days or weeks to consider a large tax increase that's going to apply to all of us. It slipped through really fast, and he went ahead and signed it. Now, in fact, Paul, if I remember correctly, in some of the line item vetoes that I read, there were funding cuts that were made to certain areas that the governor vetoed and ordered the original amount of funding to go back to those particular uh, elements of the government. Exactly. So this shows really the power of the governor to, again, pick and choose items within the budget that he really wants, even in cases where the Democratic majority, surprisingly, is being fiscally responsible. They want to set priorities in the budget, which they should be doing, and that involves perhaps reducing in some areas and then increasing spending in other areas. They increased overall spending by 17 percent. It's the, it's the biggest jump in spending in 25 years. So they're not short on money. The, the dispute was over 
what programs might be reduced where money's not needed and then shifted over someplace else. And the governor vetoed the shifts. So, so what he said is, no, you're not allowed to set these priorities. And he insisted that the spending go back to those areas of the budget where he wanted it to go. We're talking with Paul Guppy, the executive vice president of research for the Washington Policy Center here on the bottom line. Mr. Guppy, today was the final day uh, for the governor to take action on all the bills. So this is kind of the the final chapter of the legislative session mm-hmm. in general. Uh, what did you and the Washington Policy Center take away from uh, the action and inaction when he took a look at the capital operating transportation budgets? Well, he again, the pattern we see is sort of two things. One is a huge increase in spending, about $4.4 billion in new taxes on top of the hot economy is producing a lot of revenue for the government. So the state didn't need to raise taxes, but they did raise taxes by over $4 billion anyway. That's a permanent change. So the people of our state will have to pay that you know, this year and next year and indefinitely into the future. That's a permanent burden. And then the second area was in this lack of transparency. So A few years ago, uh, the legislature, again, in a bipartisan way, passed a tax transparency website where anyone could go on and put in your address and find out what taxes you owe at different levels of government. Governor Inslee vetoed that. This year, he vetoed the measure on no uh, title-only bills. He vetoed and, and opposed a measure that would have allowed transparency and collective bargaining talks with unions. So there's a pattern of kind of hiding what the government is doing, doing things at the last minute in Olympia. And then the second part is adding that new tax burden onto the rest of us. So those are the two main trends that we saw in this session. And correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I was reading it a different way, but didn't he have kind of a warning? Didn't he issue kind of a warning that there could be a a funding challenge for the state down the road, i.e. setting itself up to have a uh, unconstitutional sales tax or income tax, I mean? Yes. So this is, if you're familiar with public financing, as I am, unfortunately, (laughs) it's not our uh, government uh, budgeting is not the same as the real world. So there's a device uh, called a bow wave, which legislators and the governor can build into the budget because today's budget is the base for future budgets, and they know that. They don't start over again with a blank piece of paper the way that you have to do in the real world. They always presume that existing spending is a almost permanent obligation going into the future, and then they debate about what to add on to it. Well, when you have a 17% increase in spending, you can't depend on a hot economy in the future to constantly bring in more revenue. And that's what the governor was referring to when he calls a fiscal crisis is somewhat artificial because he would like to have a state income tax. But of course, people don't like that idea. So from a political point of view, you need a reason for a state income tax. And the budget seems to be setting up that kind of, quote, crisis in the future. I mean, you know, when you have $4 billion in additional revenue, you don't have a crisis. But he's kind of anticipating that for the future so we can debate whether to have an income tax over the next few years. And we're talking with Paul Guppy, the vice president of research at the Washington Policy Center here on The Bottom Line. Now, Paul, we also saw a couple of things with the governor um to where many on the east side would say that he is either waging war or continuing the the efforts to minimize the eastern side of the state. 
by not vetoing the absolute waste of three-quarters of a million dollars on a dam-breaching right. study, and also the border town situation. And every time we've seen one of these bills that has come in that has either increased taxes uh, in Washington State or now in this case where it's removing the exemption of the sales tax uh, for individuals in Oregon and Idaho, um, you're talking about a significant impact along the co- along the, the, the border lines, mainly in the eastern part of Washington when you're talking Idaho and Oregon. Um, how much, and I don't know if the policy center has dove into this necessarily, but how much revenue potentially could be lost to the state of Washington just by not vetoing that sales tax exemption? Yeah, there's no exact number. We think it's tens or hundreds of millions of dollars of commercial activity every year in the private sector that's lost. Um, We have also noticed this pattern of the the kind of political base in the Seattle area influences. You know, one party has held a governorship in our state for 36 years, longer than any other state, and that base is primarily based on the urban counties right around Puget Sound. That's the dynamic in our state. People know that. So what that means is that it's hard to get a message from communities in other parts of the state about how these policies impact them. So regarding the sales tax itself, uh, there's a strong push in Olympia and in Seattle for more tax revenue. The feeling about the tax exemption for an elected member of the legislature is oh, well, that's the residents of other states are going to be paying that tax. You know, not my voters, somebody in Oregon or or the other 49 states. But as you're correctly pointing out, it really hits border communities because it it degrades their commercial activity and and makes retail less attractive in Washington state. So there will be some loss of sales, um, but the state has not tried to model how much that is. We think it will be hundreds of millions of dollars a year, and it will trickle down to hit businesses, employers, and jobs, particularly Main Street retailers, uh, the exact kind of vibrant business activity that we want to attract to our state is going to be undermined by this policy. Now, Paul, when we go back, and I just want to ask one follow-up regarding this. When we go back to when the, the uh, I guess, lack of a better term, spirits or the hard liquor uh, initiative went through. We saw increases 40% in some areas in Oregon and Idaho that were right across the border in sales increases because of the result of the taxes that went up and, and impacted yeah. in Washington State. Um, we know that there are some that are going to go through that process, but how arduous is this process going to be for those that want to try and get that tax reimbursement? Yeah, it's going to be very difficult, and that's why we say in practical terms that this tax exemption was essentially repealed. We understand that, you know, the citizen can go through a bunch of hoops, okay? You can you can keep your receipts. You can apply for a refund. We know that they kept all that structure, but in practice, we don't think that's actually going to happen. So, in, you know, there's a principle in public policy that you can have something on paper, but if it doesn't if it's not experienced by the public, if you can't actually access it yourself, that doesn't exist. So they have made the ta- and we noticed that they didn't vote on a straight repeal. They created this alternative process. But the alternative to apply for the tax exemption is so burdensome, we don't think anybody's going to do it. So in effect, the tax exemption is taken away. And I, th- I think that's going to be the result. We're talking with Paul Guppy, the vice president of research for the Washington Policy Center here on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. 
Paul, one any final thoughts uh, from the governor's actions today? Um, we know I, I believe there's still a couple things left for him to sign, but today was the the heavy load with the budget. Um, what are some final thoughts on on how how much impact this budget and and kind of the the, the, the long term ramifications of what he signed today is going to have? Yeah, we think it's going to have a big fiscal impact in particular. So when you add up the expanded B&O tax, they increase the real estate tax uh, that is on, you know, selling a home or selling property, they increase that tax. Uh, He also signed a bill that allows for a higher local school levies on top of a state property tax for schools. So it's kind of double dipping. So when you add all those things together, we see hundreds or thousands of dollars more per year for the average household in Washington state. And again, these tend to be regressive taxes. So that that burden will hit working families harder than, you know, wealthy tech millionaires living in the Seattle area, they're probably not going to care. But for people who are across the state trying to pay their bills, um, they will definitely see a hit in their household income. And it's because of Olympia's policy, the governor, you know, what he signed today is going to add to how much we're all paying every year, which, which of course, lowers our household income. I mean, you know, it's frustrating to, to try to be raising your kids, running your business, you know, just trying to make it. And the bite that's taken by the government keeps increasing. And, and I think that's people's main frustration. Now, Paul, most people are looking at this, and of course, they're asking the questions, why? We've got all this extra revenue coming in. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're increasing spending, we're increasing taxes when we have the revenue to take care of all these things. Is there some ulterior motive here by by either Democrats or by those that are that are pulling some strings uh, over in Olympia to because all of this all of these things sound like an attempt to weaken the economy in Washington State, mm-hmm. which most people would look at and go that is the that is an absolutely stupid thing to do. But are they intentionally trying to weaken the economy for an end goal somewhere? Uh, yeah, wow, you're uh, you're asking me a tough question here. <laughs> you're really putting me on the spot. So here's the answer. I'll just be up front. Um, there are a number of special interests, unions, uh, activist environmental groups, and others who felt that they did really well in the last election. So when you go into Olympia, the Democrats now have a trifecta in Washington State, House, Senate, and the governorship, pretty good-sized governing margins, and they went to town. I mean, our staff saw it over the last three months. It was just bill after bill increasing the tax burden or increasing regulations. In answer to your question about the economy, I think that the other side sees this as money on the table. They, they don't, when you press them, they don't think that it hurts the economy. What they'll say is times are good, people can afford it, and the government needs more money for this or that program. Unions in particular are want to increase public budgets because they benefit from that. But when you say, you know, like, hey, you know, what about the working family that's trying to pay their bills? The answer comes back, they'll be okay. People can afford it. We don't want to, quote, leave money on the table. We hear this um, comment all the time in Olympia. So there's this perception that the public, you know, has money (laughs) and that a little increase, they think it's little, increasing taxes, 
doesn't hurt people that, hey, it's only another couple hundred dollars a year. What's the big deal? Um, and then they see a benefit in their budget. So I'm, I'm not really judging. I'm just trying to describe the attitude that we run into when, when we're working um, with legislators in Olympia. Yeah, we'll see how much they cut when things go down. Well, that's well, the point, yeah. though, right? Isn't it what you said earlier, Paul, that this is all a setup to create an environment where a, a income tax is needed to keep things the way they are, right? Exactly. And when those times come, and again, Washington Policy Center has been through these, and we provide alternatives for efficiencies in the budget, and the answer we always get back is the government can't afford it. And we'll say, you know, people are hurting. You know, people are losing their jobs. This is during a recession. And the answer we get is, no, we need to increase taxes to maintain revenue, or they throw out the idea of an income tax. But again, there, the, the needs of for some public officials, and again, I'm trying to be fair, okay, but some people in government, uh, they think about the state budget number one and the public second, and they just feel, hey, people can afford it. We need to raise taxes. And if the economy goes soft, that is the number one message we will hear is about how much state budgets are hurting and how much they need more revenue. And there will be little sympathy for the average working person. And that is not how it is supposed to work. Exactly. Uh, we, we think it really should be the opposite, that the needs of the public should come first. But that's not the attitude we usually run into. Paul Guppy, Vice President of Research for the Washington Policy Center. Thank you for taking the time with us today. We very much appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you again in the future, Paul. Great. Thanks for having me on. Five four seven one six ten is the number. Paul Guppy, Vice President of Research for the Washington Policy Center, joining us. And well, it's it's cloudy, a little bit of rain. Yeah, looks like uh, Olympia made its way over to the eastern side of the state. <laughs> the governor's pen rained down more tax increases upon the average Joe who and uh, didn't veto things that would have helped. Also. Exactly. And, and it's just, it just goes to show you how out of touch Captain Climate Change is with the state that he is supposed to represent. More of the bottom line next. Now back to the bottom line on News Radio 610 KONA. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline 509 547 1610. This is the bottom line news radio 610 KONA. Again, special thanks, uh, Paul Guppy from Washington Policy Center, spending some time with us helping to uh, break down what the governor did and didn't do on the final day that he could do anything with <laughs> bills that were coming out of Olympia. We'll, we'll, we're coming up on a break again because we went long with, uh, with Mr. Guppy and, you know, it's all good. I mean, there's a lot of good information there. But we will open up the phones here in the next half hour to, to get your thoughts on, on things as well. And there's something else, too, when we come back. I think it's 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 very important that we point out how much of an impact all of this has locally. And, and what I mean by that is not just out of your wallet, but all of this also has a trickle-down effect on what your local government can do. And what your county government can do. Because everybody watches what happens in Olympia. Everybody is paying attention to the increases that are happening at the state level. And if you don't think that that has an impact on the decisions made at the local level, you're wrong. So we'll talk about that as well. And uh, 
how all of this really does have a bigger effect than we may initially think. Not to mention, a lot more to be discussed, including county commissioners got a report on the public safety tax this morning, and Kennewick City Council going to make a decision sometime soon on how to fill that vacant seat. We've We've got maybe maybe a suggestion on what not to do. We we offer these suggestions, you know, to help. Free. We're, yeah, free of right. charge. We Robin, don't we don't we don't have a consulting fee. Free of charge. Rob and I are helpers. More after this. Can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610KONA.com. Back to the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City on News Radio 610. KONA. Five four seven one six ten five zero nine five four seven one six ten. You can email us too. Just go to the website six ten k o n a dot com to join the conversation. Again, uh, the big news uh, from today: uh, the final day that uh, Governor Jay Inslee can take action on bills passed in the uh, state legislature this last session, and uh, he was busy he, both this morning and this afternoon. Busy uh, signing. Uh, a myriad of bills, including the two-year operating budget, the capital budget, and the transportation budget. Uh, some of those passed in the dead of night with little to no um, public testimony uh, and, uh, you know, uh, other, you know, silly things like transparency, you know, issues uh, attached to them. And uh, we heard from Paul Guppy last half hour from the Washington Policy Center and we want to get your thoughts. Is is the governor slash Democrats in this state setting up the state of Washington to have no choice but to pass an income tax with the way that they have gone about spending this time around and raising taxes and inflating budgets where two years from now, Four years from now, it's going to happen where the economy takes a downturn and the 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 statement will be, we have no other choice left but to do an income tax. 5471610, what are your thoughts? Let's go right to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610-KONA. Your name, where are you calling from? Hey, guys, it's Chris from Richland. What's up, Chris? Frustrating day frustrating day. First, I'd like to say I'd like to run outside and scream at the top of my lungs that Jay Inslee's a f- idiot. And then, I, I just don't know how we're going to sustain this budget that he's passed today. It seems like he just poked uh, the east side of Washington in the eye. Um, he doesn't seem to care about anything we have to say over here. It's starting to feel like taxation without representation. Um, it, I just don't What's a choice? They just start keep taxing us. People are just going to move out of the state. You know, us business, small business owners, we, we just can't put up with this anymore. It's, it's going to kill us. Anyway, that's what I got to say. Thanks. No, we hear you, Chris. And, 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 and we appreciate the, the censor beat. No, abs- absolutely. <laughs> but, but here's the other thing, too, that I think needs to be mentioned in this. It puts 
a little bit more pressure on your city and county governments as well when they go tax crazy like this because all of these extra taxes that you're paying are going right to the state. They're not going to the city and they're not going to the county. So now your city governments and your county governments have to turn around and look at the needs that they need filled. They have to look at what their budgets are. They have to look at what's on the docket for them. And then they have to try and decide exactly how they're going to meet their needs. And when you see the kind of increases that are coming out of Olympia, if you don't think for a second, especially on this side of the state where they know how people feel about tax increases, if you don't think for a second that they're sitting there and they're wondering and they're debating exactly how they can do what needs to be done without increasing taxes and without putting more of a burden on the individual, it really handcuffs your local community in being able to make improvements and doing things that they need to make without fear of incensing taxpayers even further. Yeah. They don't care. Right. Right. It's it's kind of, you know, it's along the same lines as, you know, school districts that are asking for money constantly pretty soon. You know, if 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 you and I are feeling the pinch of of taxes, you know, sales tax or taxes on goods or whatever it may be that the state is imposing, and maybe the city and county are doing the same. By the time we get down to schools, or you know, I just threw that out there. Pick pick something else if but you no, want. But no, but that but that is that then, is then extremely like, relevant. Then you're right like, now. no, I'm overtaxed. I'm sorry, I, I can't I can't give anymore. It's not necessarily the school's fault, that, but it's you know it's the trickle down effect. We only have so much to give. Well, and that's the thing. I'm glad you brought that up because well, thank you. You know your school board races. That's one of the things that those people elected to the school board are going to be tasked with looking at is now that the levy lid has been lifted again, and they completely and totally tore the McCleary decision up in about a year's time where we're going to head right back to the state Supreme Court again because they're too greedy to, to, to actually yeah, let it sit. I really think we're out of compliance right we're, now. Yeah, it's just it's an absolute mockery. You know, we were talking yesterday about qualifications to run for office. Yeah. Well, these are the things that make you unqualified. But, you know, they're going to be tasked with looking at what to do now that the levy lid has been lifted. And... I wouldn't be shocked if all three of them come back, all three school districts come back in the next year or two and say, well, you know, we just, we need this money. You know, we need this money. Well, you, you should have been a little bit more judicious with the payout you got from McCleary. Because I, for one, am, 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 I'm sick and tired of, of getting raked over the coals, particularly in that avenue. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Oh, Sparky again from Umatilla. Hi, Sparky. What's Sparky? up? And I think you know how I feel. I'm on a fixed income, and our property taxes are just killing us in Washington and Oregon. That's why I kind of go back and forth. I don't have a problem with income tax and sales tax as long as it's fair. I know they need money to operate. But like I said last time, the government owns all the property, and they can come and take it away from you. The 14th Amendment says life, liberty, and property. It's, you always hear life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That's the Bill of Rights. I don't think our founding fathers, they got they left England because the king was taxing them. 
I don't think they really wanted the government government to be able to take our property from us. So I I'm more for an income tax and a sales tax, but not all three. Okay, uh, Sparky. Let me ask you a quick question. You being from yeah. Umatilla. The, the governor was getting um, pressure to veto this and did not. Uh, the the tax exemption for Oregonians and people from Idaho when when buying something in Washington. Do you do a lot of, uh, of your purchases in Washington state? No, most of it most of it's in, in Oregon. I, I, most of my business dealings are Hermiston, Pendleton, Umatilla area. But I, but I do have some property in Washington, but but here again, I can only, I can only vote in one state or the other. I mean, I can pay property taxes in Oregon, but I cannot vote on any anything. Isn't that, isn't that taxation without representation? You know. Yeah. Yeah. I should be I should be able to only vote for president, vice president, or whatever in one state. One, but anyway. But I I can't vote on anything in one I have to one state or the other you know yeah appreciate the call thank you very much five this is have five four seven one six ten second time somebody's invoked taxation without representation uh, you know and and here's the other thing too and and I, just going back to the thing that Sparky mentioned regarding the founding fathers they were very keenly aware of how much property mattered because they were all property owners. You know, they were yeah. farmers. They were they were they were business owners. They knew the value of property, and so he's absolutely right. Ne- never would those men want the government to have the ability to come in and take their property away from them. Um, you know, there there are constructs that exist that allow for eminent domain and so on like that. Um, there's a, there's a mixed record. On, on cases regarding eminent domain and, and when the government has won and lost those cases. Um, but the position that we're, that we're being put in by Olympia, who knows how the dynamic is going to change in the next two to four years? Maybe people on the West Side are, I mean, are finally going to get fed up with the level of taxation. I mean, apparently they're they're starting to get a little angry in Seattle all of a sudden. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, they've been they've been making for some interesting council meetings over everything from public safety to taxation to everything else. And if if they're starting to get fed up in Seattle, that could actually only spell good things maybe for the rest of the state. But there's only so much we can do over here. We're doing everything that we can do over here. I mean, once you once you cross that mountain range, there's nothing we can do. All you can do is is send people in your district that represents your values, and that's it. And when you can only control that much, you have to hope that at some point in time a light bulb goes off and people get tired of being treated the way they are. Normally, it gets really bad before the light bulb goes off. And, right. and I'm hoping this is really bad for the people on the West Side, that they're finally starting to see exactly how much money's getting wasted and thrown away. I mean, three-quarters of a million dollars on a study that they can do absolutely nothing about. Nothing at all. You may as well take that three-quarters of a million dollars and light it on fire. 
because that's how much value it's going to have going to a study about breaching the dams, which is completely and totally under federal purview. Five four seven one six ten is the number. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can email us too. Just go to the website six ten kona dot com. More of the bottom line on News Radio six ten kona. It's the area's only live local call and talk show. Join the show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Back to the bottom line with Rob and Ed. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City on News Radio 610 KONA. If you'd like to email us, it's easy. Just go to the website, 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page. Send us your question or your comment. Talking about uh, the final bill signing for the legislative session that uh, was recently concluded. This is the final day that Governor Inslee can uh, sign, veto, whatever, all the bills, including the operating budget, the capital budget, and the transportation budget, which he did so earlier. But some of the other ones, uh, bills that uh, caught my eye, Rob, mm-hmm. um, one of them was Senate Bill 5438, and it's labeled Ag and Seasonal Workforce. Okay. Oh, is this the slavery bill? No. Okay, no, good. No, this isn't the slavery bill. Although, if you if you want to count bureaucracy as slavery, which you can, I suppose, um, on the surface, this is a bill that will help... Uh, farm laborers and businesses that use farm labor to comply with the H-2A uh, program. Okay, that, that sounds good, I guess. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, we, we all want to be in compliance and all that stuff. But what they don't tell you is that to do this, this bill actually creates a new layer of bureaucracy. It creates the office of H-2A compliance and farm labor. And it's now going to be a part of the Employment Security Department. So another layer of bureaucracy and another weapon that the Democrats can use, again, when that day comes, when we need to start talking about budget cuts, well, we can't cut jobs, we can't cut jobs, can't cut out this office of H-2A compliance and farm labor, then you'll put people out of work. Well, you shouldn't have created it in the first place. Another one. Isn't it interesting how there's so much they're concerned about government unemployment and not private sector? That's right. Well, again, it's about control. If we yeah. can control who gets jobs and how much they get paid and what kind of benefits they get, i.e. unions, that's why they're a big fan of unions, if we can control the situation, uh, it's better for everybody. Then, you know, then the masses can just, you know, become mindless drones and do what we say. Did I just say that out loud? Yeah, I think I did. Um, They don't, you know, they don't want you thinking for yourself. I I think we've covered this uh, frequently. Um, One of the other bills that that came about, and, and this was, this was, actually made me chuckle. Not so much about what this bill is and what it does, but what happened during the signing. And unfortunately, 
the audio is not going to do it justice, so I'm not going to play it. But it was for House Bill 1873, was the Vapor Product Taxation Bill. In essence, it marks tobacco vaping products uh, subject to the tobacco taxes. So any it doesn't tax all vaping products, but the vaping products that have some level of tobacco nicotine. in them, yeah, nicotine, yeah. that, you know, they weren't being taxed. Which is just the, about all of them. Right. We, but they weren't being taxed at the tobacco product rate. Well, now they will be. Now, here's the funny thing. They, you, you know, if you've ever watched TVW, which I do inordinately amount of times, during the bill signing, the governor's sitting there. He says a couple of things, blah, 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 and signs it. And the people, usually the sponsor of the bill and any other supporters are behind him. They pose for a picture. And uh, sometimes on bills, like with the H-2A compliance thing, they had a lot of um, ag workers and, uh, and you know, that were there uh, in support of this bill. Well, for this vapor product taxation, they're going to have to do a little something about their security at the Capitol because behind the governor, half of the people behind the governor were people in suits and nice outfits, you know, probably lawmakers, uh, you know, patting themselves on the back for, for another great piece of legislation. The other half was a kind of a motley crew of people and when it came time to take the picture, they all stuck their arms up with the thumbs down like this bill stinks. <laughs> and it turns out it was people there protesting this tax. Well, they managed, to, they managed to get in line for this bill signing ceremony and shuffled in behind the governor. And they, they, didn't, they didn't kick him out. But what they did say was, you know, okay, that's that's great. Now let's take a picture without your thumbs down, you know, for the record and all this stuff, because they don't want to mess up their beautiful picture right. of a beautiful bill signing for a beautiful piece of legislation. But I just found that funny. A little anecdotal story. There. Sure. Now, considering the fact that taxes are going up and you're going to get hit now if you vape, you're going to be paying even more and everything else is going to go up, you're going to be looking for places to cut some corners. You're going to be looking for places to save some money. And if you want to begin with something that comes out every month, start with your insurance. Go talk with Jason Hogan, American Family Insurance on Road 68 in Pasco. Give him a call, 547-0540. See if Jason and American Family Insurance can save you money by bundling your home, your auto. Uh, they do business insurance. They do farm insurance. They do life insurance. You name it, they can cover it. Make sure you check out Jason Hogue, Road 68 in Pasco with American Family Insurance, 547-0540, or go to jasonhogue.com in a time when you know that the pennies are going to be pinching a little bit more. See if you can cut down the cost of your insurance. See if you can bundle a couple things, or maybe your record is so good, you might just get a discount for being a great driver. But you don't know unless you make that phone call. American Family Insurance, Jason Hogue Agency, Road 68 in Pasco, 547-0540, or visit jasonhogue.com. We've got hour number two on the way. We're going to leave you with a thought on our poll question for today, which is simply this. 
Kennewick City Council. They're going to make a decision soon on how to fill that seat. What do you think? How do you think they should vacate that, or they should fill that vacated seat, knowing the individual cannot be elected? We'll talk about that when we come back. Don't know if that information will be provided at tonight's city council meeting or not, but, you know, maybe we could throw around a few ideas to be considered. Again, Rob and I are helpers.